0: Welcome to episode two of Ask Wolves, where supporters' questions are put to Executive Chairman Jeff Shee and the club's senior leadership team. I'm Johnny Phillips, and in this episode we'll be hearing from Jeff, General Manager of Commercial Operations Vinnie Clark, General Manager of Marketing and Growth Russell Jones, and General Manager of Football Operations Matt Wild. They'll be answering supporters' questions about the management structure at the club, communication between the leadership team and supporters, ticketing and pricing, stadium redevelopment, and commercial operations. Several key senior staff left in, in recent years and fans have been asking about the actual structure and it's probably something for all five of you really. Um, where does the structure lie in terms of who does what? Jeff, can we start with you?
1: Yeah, I have to say as the club is at a different stage now. I think if you look at a company or a club or whatever, I think the early stage is different from uh, the later stage. and uh, So it's very natural and the people will come and go and because of course some people they may need a new Club or a new company to work for and also from the clubs view we need more fresh people to come in because if you You, you cannot always rely on uh, All the good people and to do all the jobs because the club is bigger and bigger now So it's very normal. It's a kind of involvement from my personal view. I think Personally, I think we have a better team now than before so Bigger team, stronger background. So I don't have any concerns about the people who have left. Of course, I wish them have a good future and uh, for their career. But uh, I'm very happy about the people we have now in, in the
2: club. I think they are stronger.
0: Yeah, we heard from Matt and Scott, obviously, but Russell, what's your sort of role? How would you sum it up?
2: well as, as, as Matt pointed out I suppose mine and Vinny's role really is to drive that commercial revenue you know, to be that you know to be that big club so my role is predominantly around growth it's around fan base developing our our story and our fan base all around the world and then looking to commercialize that story through partnerships through membership through um, through media and also through retail and licensing so very much about growth
0: that the point you made about fan relationships—that's interesting because one of the questions we had from Joe Element about COVID has that affected? Do you think the club's relationship with the supporters?
2: I think it's it's really tricky, isn't it? Because it's created this distance that we've never really ever experienced before in you know, in, in, in football history. Uh, what we've tried to do is is close it by by all sorts of different digital platforms. So we introduced radio twenty four seven. We introduced Match Day Live. Uh, we, you know, I could keep going. We've introduced a sort of an AI portal for anybody that's, you know, AR portal. Sorry, for anybody that's seen that. So, I, I do think it's become a bit more challenging, but we've done everything possibly we can to just try and keep that that relationship with fans. And obviously, we'll, we'll continue to do that. But on the other side, you know, look, I think everyone around this table would agree that we can't wait to see fans back you know, against Manchester United. That's that's what football's all about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, but
1: Johnny, I think maybe maybe one of the, the hints uh, 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 behind the question is about why Jeff doesn't come out to, to speak t- too much, right? So I think uh, I, I understand that. But one thing I want to uh, say uh, by this chance is just uh, because everything I will speak to the public will be read and be watched mm-hmm. by all the people around the world, you know. so. So sometimes I have to think about what I will say, what I can say. For example, the players, the coach, the staff here, the, my friends, my competitors, maybe other clubs, they will all listen to me and to hear what I, I, I will be saying. So I'm very restricted to what I can say. For example, after a loss, of course, I'm not happy. But can I say the same thing? Oh. Whatever I I'm I i do not like to play for a player. I cannot say that because I have to. It's like one family for the club. I have to look after the internal stuff first, and sometimes I'm afraid what I can say will give negative impact to our staff. So sometimes you have to be careful about this. So so I understand. Uh, maybe in the past the fans were okay, and someone. Uh, came out to say some good things uh, to please them but uh, they don't know sometimes when you say something maybe good to you to hear but better to others to hear you know? so so I have to find the, the balance so eventually when you search for all the, the words I can say it's very limited so that's the reason I don't want to come out to say too much you know and also especially at the moment uh, when emotion is across the whole club and uh, everything I can say is wrong, you know? so so that's the reason why person I cannot come to say. And also for for the people, the leadership group, they are the same because uh, normally in principle and uh, the leadership group, what they can say should be approved by the club because what they say is representing uh, the image or the profile. of the club they are representing the team. So sometimes you come out to say something, actually people and fans will think you are, uh, the whole club is behind you, right? So they will not try to uh, distinguish you, it's what Russell said, what Vinnie said, you are all from Wolves. So that's the reason why we have to be careful and we have to have a proper process to say what we have to say and uh, I, I do hope the, the the fans can understand that and, uh, and uh, actually from the personality I'm quite keen to talk with the, the fans and so I always receive and uh, reply the emails to, to, to them but uh, for the public speaking, public uh, social media we have to be careful because it's not sometimes you just feel pleased about some words but uh, actually in long term the words will have better impact to, to ourselves,
3: yeah, and I think that shows where, where yeah. we are in our evolution. I think we 're a pretty calm organization I don 't think we want to rush to speak publicly in yeah. moments of panic or you know times of hardship or whatever, but you know I think the way jeff and and, and those guys work is that we don 't speak too often, um, but we, we do, and we feel that it's it 's appropriate and it's necessary. Um, and just on the structure side, you know, I, th- I think many people see that a couple of key departures took place last year and they've never been replaced. And there's the, the myth that <laughs> Jeff is sweeping the dressing room and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. <laughs> I'd actually say the opposite. I'd, I'd say we've, we've beefed out the leadership team now. And instead of being three guys, it's now, you know, there's now five of us doing that work. So I think the contrary of what, what the, the common misconception is, is, is actually quite the opposite.
0: Reading through all the 633 (laughs) questions, there's a lot of satisfaction with the media channels and the work that is being put out and the content. And also, there is a general sense of gratitude for what Fosen have done um, in terms of a wider sense for the Mm. club. Vinny, you touched on that, sort of the wider beefing out of the leadership team. Where does your role fit into that?
3: So I oversee the the kind of the trading arms of the club, if you like, the the, the retail operation, um, ticketing, hospitality, food and beverage, all of that sort of stuff. Work really closely with Russell and Russell's teams in marketing and media to to basically um, run the club from a commercial operations perspective and make sure that we're you know we we're, we're optimising revenues whilst delivering a, a great product to our fans.
0: You mentioned the word ticketing, so I did. if you're going to cross it, I'll nod it in. Um, <laughs> Dave Boddison, Tom Willett and many, many more have said, why are you charging £45 a ticket for a dead rubber against Manchester United after fans haven't been able to attend for so long? Yeah, I think,
3: firstly, that I'd, I'd question the dead rubber element to that question. I think you know that, that there's been some talk this week about it's going to be a Man United reserve team and it is a dead rubber. For me, personally, this is a huge moment for the club. You know that fans haven't been able to come in our stadium and watch a game of football for over a year. This is not a dead rubber. This is an, a momentous occasion that we, you know, we're really excited to be to be staging and to be welcoming fans back into the stadium. On the pricing side, um, I get that pricing increases are never are never celebrated and are never greeted with, you know, great warmth. But the reality is, we touched on it earlier in some of the FFP conversations, and as a club, we've got certain ambitions and we have to operate commercially in a way that's befitting of a club uh, that, you know, that's the size that, and, and the success that we want to reach. Um, I think my job, and, and Russell sort of is, is, is the same, is I've got to try and find the right value balance uh, between the fans and, and, and the economic success, success of the club. And I think if I'm being completely honest, and this is probably an unpopular view, in recent years, we've probably been undervaluing our products and services. I think tickets have been on the cheap side. We underwent a benchmarking exercise recently, which showed that we were sort of 17th, 18th in the Premier League in terms of what we charge for people to come to, come to the games. And, and actually, we've had three really successful years back in the Premiership, and we've had a, a good Europa League run. So. Um, you know we've reached the knockout phase of that, so we wanted to really realign our prices, and I know that that's difficult um, for people to maybe accept initially. But what we what we really want to do is be fair, and we don't think that, that the pricing structure that's in place for the Man United game is unfair. I think our most expensive ticket is 45, as the as the question points out. We we benchmarked that, and that's that. There's actually eight clubs. That are, that are charging more than that for their top price ticket. So we are somewhere in the middle of that of that group in terms of the Premier League and what they're charging, and that is realistically where at this point in time we need to be.
0: But on the other side of that, the community that you're in um, has suffered greatly from the pandemic, and you'd be hard pushed, I think, to make a case for 45 pounds for a lot of sort of paying supporters. How can you answer that?
3: I understand it's been a really difficult time for not just the community here, but but all over the country. And you know, I'm, I'm empathetic towards that. Of course, I am. I, I think, you know, I'd counter by saying the club have done tremendous work over the last 12 months in the community. Feed our pack. You know, we've we've called our elderly and vulnerable fans over the last 12 months, give them care calls to make sure they're okay. Russell can probably list another five or six things that we've done that, that have really impacted and helps the community that we're in. Um, the, the cold reality is that you'll have seen our recent results for 1920. We posted a 40 million pound loss, um, and this year probably not going to be much much prettier than that. So, we're always trying to find that balance of you know being fair, making sure that the fans are getting good value for what they what they give us, and, and for being part of that community. But equally, we've got to we've got to look after the football club, and we've got to try and get parity with the likes of clubs that we're trying to compete with.
0: Ross, we touched on the dislocation that fans might be feeling at the moment. And Sebastian Wallum has said, you know, football's a habit and, you know, people might be out of that habit. Will £45 a ticket, maybe not encourage them to return. Do you understand that you could have created a rift with the local population?
2: Yeah, no, I I think we do. And and as Vinny said, it's something that we spent a lot of time working through, considering, making sure that, you know, we believed it was, Good value in terms of the rest of the Premier League benchmarking. I think in terms of what will happen moving forward, obviously, take up of, of tickets so far has been been really really strong. Um, we believe that you know moving forward, there's a real appetite to get back inside the stadium and to to see the team playing again. You know, we we all missed that full house at Molyneux. I think anecdotally, we know other sporting events around the country have sold out in super quick time. So you know, we do believe internally there's a real appetite for fans to, to get back inside the stadium. Is, is that well, it's more
0: a, a commercial decision it's, than, a, than a moral decision, perhaps? It, it's, you
3: know? it's both. Ultimately, it's both. And, you know, we, 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 we always factor in, you know, what the what the societal consequences of our decisions are going to make. Mm. We've got to make sure that we've... I mentioned the balance of value. If we're giving the club all of the value from let's say ticket sales and the fans are getting no value they're overpaying and and you know they're getting nothing out of that and the club are making tons of money off the back of that that's an imbalance yeah and that's unfair and if we were doing that if the club was getting all the value and the fans were getting none that would be a failing likewise if if the balance was tipped the other way and the fans were getting probably overvalued for for what they were getting and the club were being undervalued in that dynamic again that's a failing so what we're always trying to do is find that fair and reasonable sweet spot that gives us a what we need to continue to compete as fans expect us to, whilst b giving you know giving the fans what they perceive to be value.
1: Yeah, but I, I wa- sorry, uh, I want to say that there is a big misconception from the fans is that they think uh, the major revenue source come from the broadcasting, or whatever, and so the the ticketing revenue is not important, or whatever. It's wrong. I can say, when we say top six of big clubs, we want to chase, we want to catch, up with. Well, the biggest gap is not the broadcasting revenue, it's the ticketing revenue. Mm-hmm.
0: But that's for, the size it, of the stadium, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, so, but also about the pricing. So if you look at the, the price for Chelsea, for Spurs, for Man United, you can see the huge gap, you know, so.
0: so but they're 30, 40,000 more fans. But that, the but that, but that gives
3: us a further disadvantage, because, yeah. you know, if you look at yeah. Newcastle, for example, 52,000, you know we could be at the same price as them but they're still they're still going to be beating us in that competitive element and I think Jeff makes a great point across Europe in in, in the big five leagues match day revenue is around 16% of a club's revenue and people do sort of say it's nothing to the clubs why do they even bother charging us ticket means nothing yeah. it, it couldn't be further from the truth because in the Premier League in that in that bracket that we're in the broadcasting revenue and the Premier League distribution is largely the same for a lot of clubs. Yeah. Where you can really make a difference is in that, you know, that that con- commercial area that you can control, such as sponsorship, retail, ticketing, etc., etc. So it is important, and, and, and you know, it's important that we find the right value for our, our products.
4: Yeah, right. I d- yeah. I was just going to say that don't underestimate the occasion. You know, having fans back since the 7th of March, 2020. You know, it's going to be a great occasion for the. Fans, but it's going to be probably an even great occasion for the players. You know, I can't under- I can't tell you how much they've missed it. Connor, is constantly on me saying, "When are we going to get fans back? We miss the fans <laughs> back. We miss the fans so much. We need fans back in the stadium." Yeah. Uh, I, think I think a certain
0: th- amount. I, I agree to some extent, and I think yeah. the players will have a huge mm. lift from it. I yeah. think there's a significant amount of the fan base who don't see this mm. as important because it'll be mainly empty. And the social distancing is in place. And they're looking to when Molyneux can be full again. And that's perhaps why another reason why the ticket price is such an issue. But it's such a vital step on that journey. This is a, you know, we're never going to go from
3: zero to to a full stadium. And this is a, you know, a really. You know, it, we we were we were planning as far back as last July to get people mm. back in and mm. then we were gonna do you remember the tiering in December, we were yeah, gonna get yeah, the last yeah. seven games in and then mm. it's ever evolved and changed and it's yeah. as look luck would have it, it's just one game at the end of the season now, which does mm. create a bit of a strange mm. weird sort of dynamic mm. for you're gonna have fans in for one game. But I think it was important that we recognised that, you know, it is a big occasion, you know, it's and and, and it's a Premier League fixture against one of the most successful clubs in football.
4: And it's frustrating because it is one game. You know, we've got, you know, we've got red zones, amber zones that we can't, we're not allowed to move. You know, so it's killed a lot of seeds. You know, we'd love to get yeah. some more fans in. But, you know, because it's one game, we can't, we're just limited to what we can do.
0: So Vinny, is this gonna sort of be the forerunner to a season ticket price rise? That's what a lot of fans would emailed <laughs> in theory. I'm sorry if this no, feels like no, a of No, 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 not at all, not at all. Look, I, I need to be totally honest and we, we have to take
3: ownership from where we are. I, I, you know, came into the business two years ago and uh, one of the you know, key things that in the analysis of where we were as a commercial operation was that we're probably on the cheap side and, and, and you know, we do need to realign if if, if we wanna compete at the levels that, that we want to compete at and the fans expect of us, we're we're commercially miles away from, I don't want to use the big six because it's not on vogue at the moment to say those things, but we're miles away from them. And whilst we never want to be uh, pricing our ticketing so that it's unaffordable and and you know it's pricing people out, it's pricing the working man out, I'm a working class lad myself. I'm you know we're desperate not to do that and we're committed not to doing that. But what we do want to do is bring a balance and fairness into into where we are and get it to, to parity in terms of our peers. We're not looking to overprice fixtures. We're not looking to, you know, make season tickets unaffordable. But we do need to reset and realign where we are because historically, we've we've we've, in my opinion, and, and in you know when we look at benchmarking against the Leicester Cities and the Newcastle of this world, who we see as our competitors commercially, we're behind
0: them. I understand that. I understand that you have to try and sort of bridge that gap. But you, there will always be fans priced out, as soon as that forty five pound ticket is announced, there will be a percentage that you must accept are priced out now? Well affordability
3: is, is hugely subjective, isn't it? You know, we, we, we had we we've discussed this as well, you know, what's affordable to one person is not affordable to another. You know, but I think that that generally we have to we have to look at the data as well. You know, it, it is an emotional topic but we have to see, you know, if we're struggling to sell out the venue at the prices that we're setting, then obviously that's a clear message that we, we're overpriced. But actually, reaction to this United game, and you quote 45, I must remind you that's the top price. Yeah. You know, there are, there are other prices and our, and our junior prices are um, moving into next year and our, you, you know, we'll, we'll be really competitive in terms of, of, of benchmarking and, and where we are. Um, but
0: it, it is what it is for that one game and we have to, you know, we have to get there. You touch on the junior prices. Is that something you're conscious of that you you can't let them s- spiral? If that's the right word. Well, that's
3: they're our future, aren't they? Right. So, so we, we I think we understand that, and I think we're we're really competitively priced on on junior prices, um, and uh, you, you know. I, it's, it, they're the lifeblood of our future. They're going to be bringing their kids in twenty years' time, so we don't want to. We definitely don't want to overprice uh, juniors out of the out of the stadium for sure.
0: A few fans have asked Stephen Freeman, William Bowen, when when all the information is going to come out about season tickets. When is that?
3: Well, we're in a world where things are changing all the time. Yeah, I'd love to say this is when season tickets are going to be going on sale. The reality is, and Matt's close to these conversations as well. We don't have full information from the Premier League yet as to what that first game in August is going to look like the, we have 22,000 season ticket holders. We don't know if we're going to be bringing more or less than that in August. So until we have that sort of more concrete information from the government, both nationally and locally, as well as the Premier League, we, we can't really go out and sail because what we don't want to do is what a lot of clubs did last year is go on sale with the season tickets and it causes other headaches when you can't fulfil your obligations. So um, we'll, we'll 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 see as soon as we can announce something, we obviously will, but for the time being, we're we'll waiting on, on
4: other people, really, to give us a That's guidance. it, when they're in the hands of government, so yeah. you know, all eyes are on the 21st of June to see if that is going to be the actual date where everything is relaxed. And if it's not, then if social distancing does remain in place, then that's obviously going to affect the capacity, yeah. unfortunately.
0: I mean, this is a question sort of for several of you in a way, um, we've had a whole lot of questions in with everyone with their own individual cases of where their loyalty points haven't stacked up to the tickets they feel they deserve. Others who find it hard to get into away games when sort of, that looks a closed shop for the people who go all the time. Some say there should be a ballot system where you can get fans who just really don't ever have a chance to come in, where they can enter the ground. There seems to be, sort of to sum it up, a group of fans struggling with the current setup. Uh, some feeling excluded, some feeling they maybe deserve more. I mean, Ross, do you, do you understand the feelings of fans? And is there anything that club can really do? Will, it, will any ticket policy just always be weighted against
2: some section? Look, it's difficult, mm. isn't it? And we know it's difficult. I think we all, again, talk about this this quite a lot. I think from my perspective, and again, I know I spent quite a lot of time talking to our membership manager about this because membership is very much part of our season ticket waiting list, uh, and we're really conscious again of that. Young community that, uh, that Vinnie talked about. I mean, I like all of us walk down the park, and three years ago, they're all wearing Barcelona and Real Madrid shirts. You know mm. what? Now they're all wearing Wolves. That's amazing for me as sort of a, mm. the marketing guy. But then I'm conscious of well, how now do we bring those people into the stadium when we don't have that seat availability. So it's a, it's an ongoing issue for us. Um, I do believe that we do need to make sort of you know buckets of tickets available to a to a, a wider audience mm. to a ballot. I mean. We have now 160 supporter clubs around the world, and Alan, who manages those clubs, as you can probably imagine, is constantly bombarded with the fact that 100 Belgian Wolves fans want to come over. Uh, we just can't manage those guys. It's the same that you know, a Danish supporter club want to come over, our uh, New York Wolves want to come over. I mean, what a great position to be in! And you know, right now we have to try and manage that as carefully as we can.
3: And it is difficult because ultimately the fan base we've got locally doesn't go into 31,000 and, and it, the same issue happened on a smaller level with with the United game because we've got 22,000 people that doesn't go into 4,000 then there's never going to be a way that you can do that that everybody goes that's brilliant you know you have to try and find the fairest the most reasonable way and that's what we think that we've done but just on that and, and, and going back to your question a little bit we, we, we're, we're building fan consultation groups now so with Russell pioneered the Matchday Experience group that we that we have and I'm part of and as is Russell, we want to roll that out into other areas so we want consultation groups now on ticketing and on retail and on those other things so that we can get fan feedback on what they believe is the fairest way because I can tell you it's really difficult you know, you know we, we throw around countless scenarios of how to do everything and we really do give things serious thought you know we don't do things on a whim. And we're always trying to find the fairest way. And maybe if people are involved and engaged on that process, they can maybe see some of the challenges that we face in doing this stuff.
0: Ross, a lot of members have asked, will they be compensated properly for what for the, you know for what happened last season for joining and then obviously not getting any benefits? Most of the members join just to be uh, sort of uh, eligible for tickets, and that went out of the windows. What can you sort of? Well, on that I branch. think there's,
2: I there's a couple of parts to that. First and foremost, there's, there's a number of benefits from being a member. A clearly, ticket priority is one, but there's there's a number of other benefits. I think last year when we we saw that clearly we weren't going to be able to offer that ticket priority that we normally do, we gave everybody that that had bought a membership a, a voucher for the for the, for the store. Uh, this year, those loyal people that decided to buy the membership this year will have a discounted price going into their renewal. So you know, look, I. I we want to look after those those people that were, you know, that, that loyally renewed their membership.
0: Is this a chance for fans, Jeff, to get on board? It, will, will fans have a, a big say in this, or can they have any say in maybe ways in which you can change the ticketing approach or, or change the way they can have access to the club in general?
1: Five, five years ago, I remember the, the first thing to me is the fans' parliament. So I attended uh, uh, maybe more than 10, ten times to the uh, fans' parliament, but uh, I... I did feel it's it's not working so good because even you have maybe 100 people there, they cannot represent the whole group of fans. you know. So, and uh, and also sometimes I feel the questions or the advice from them are quite uh, too simple to me. You know, just for example, just I, I, I do want more uh, practical or more uh, smart things for me to, Change. so what i want to say is just for the running of the club and because we are doing a full time job and uh, general, in principle we have more knowledge than normal fans you know just because we have spent 24 hours here right for every day so so but i i want to say if any fan could give me some ideas i didn't think about you know, or it's really really good and you know, for me to put into uh, practice, so I will welcome that. But now I'm still thinking about some good idea because I don't think the fence parliament work very well, but I am trying to talk with the colleagues to find a better way and maybe so this is one of the initiative from me You know, just uh, I want to try okay maybe get it directly from the fence and not only a small group of people maybe any fan can ask any question to me even sometimes it's not so Sensible, you know, yeah, yeah, but but uh, I want to hear at at least. Then it's a kind of uh, renovation I want to have. Maybe in future more things like this will happen, and uh, not only about uh, the uh, broadcast. Maybe some calls, some emails, whatever, and try to touch the fans directly. Then listen to them. But for the decision making from the club, it's always about the board, about the owner, because. The owner is the owner for a reason, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so they have the right to make the right de- uh, decision for the club. If they are wrong owners, they are bad owners. Sooner or later, they will be gone. You know? So, so sometimes, uh, at, at the least least trusted owner or trust the board more, then sometimes they will deliver a good job to you right
0: here. This one's for everyone then, given all we've said. Uh, Apart from letting fans back into ground, are are there any plans to re-engage supporters in the whole... You know, a lot of supporters have felt dislocated. We've said that already. They've also felt sort of marginalised, maybe from what happened with the Manchester United ticket situation. Is there a plan to re-engage supporters? A, A conscious effort that that's something that needs to be done?
3: I'm looking at Russ. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, look, I, th- I think
2: we're we're always looking to engage supporters. I don't, I don't think that, that ever ever stops. And I know, like you know, Vinnie says. Obviously, you know, we run match the experience group, mm. for example, and um, know there's always high emotion and tension about things like ticket prices. Mm. And sometimes you just have to just stop a second mm. and just remind people actually what's happened during the last last 12 months and and the impact that the club has had on the local community, for example. And I always say this, and I'm sure everyone's heard me say this before, but football clubs have one indefinite purpose, and that's to mm. make fans proud. That's it. That's a football club's only purpose. Mm. And, and as part of that, obviously, the club have run Fida park. You know, we've distributed thousands of pieces of PPE to, uh, to medical centres, to hospitals. I mean, funny enough, if I sold my house recently and I sold it to a, to a nurse from, from New Cross, and when she found out I worked for Wool, she actually got quite emotional by the fact remembering what, what, what impact Wolves had when we delivered these boxes and boxes of PPE. And, mm. and I yeah. didn't see that. You know, we've delivered pizzas to frontline staff, and, and I could go on about this, but that re-engagement I don't think ever stops. And I think we've all got a responsibility for that to make sure that we, we continue that relationship with fans. Yeah, okay. but,
1: but, for, but in China, because they have no lockdown there, so we have organized twice fans gathering for some games, the last game, unfortunately, is for the Burnley game. So, unfortunately, but but <laughs> also, they'll never come back. Yeah, yeah well, no, <laughs> they will come back. So in Shenzhen, and there will be another fans gathering for the main night game. So, so I think there will be maybe more than one hundred people there. So they enjoyed that. So we are doing something. I, sometimes the fans in what what happened, they have to understand that they, we are already. Uh, we have already a global fan base. So for example, we have several million fans in Mexico, you know, so we have a lot of fans in Africa, we have some fans in China. Actually I have to say, that if you talk about the numbers, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about the contribution or loyalty, but if you only talk about the numbers, I think the majority fan base from foreign countries now. But, but yeah.
0: how, how do you define fan base? Because you say millions in Mexico. What, what sort of, cra- is that the principal club they follow or are Wolves just an overseas secondary club? Can
1: the followers, you- the followers. They follow us from the social media, they follow our news, they follow our content.
0: They the- Not necessarily as the principal club they support though.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, I think you find that they, they are. are okay.
1: yeah, 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 they are. And also, but of course, if you talk about them, the real financial contribution here is still the, the core base, yeah. of course. But sometimes when we are look after all the fans, we can not only look after the fans here, we have to look after the, the fans all, uh, around the world. And for example, we are doing something special in China, because in China the fans are different from here. I, I can tell you that the age group in China, Chinese fans, is quite young. And we have a chat group in WeChat, maybe more than 100 to 200 people there they are mostly 15 years old. you know. So they are talking about, oh, I go, I have to, I cannot watch the game tonight because it's very late for Wolves, because tomorrow I have to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> but here, the fans, base are more like uh, 40s, 50s, mm. so it's different. So we have different strategy for different fans around the world, Here, yeah.
0: We'll touch on the importance of the global fan base mm-hmm. in, in a bit and why it is key and why it heads straight back to the first team. Mm. Um, But initially, we're going to stick with the fan base that we've got in the city at the moment. Mm -hmm. And the stadium is obviously a huge issue. It's not the supporters fault, the stadium capacity is what it Mm -hmm. is. Um, Jeff, can you sort of update us on any plans for developments? Everyone's looking at the Steve Bull stand and thinking that's an obvious starting point. Where where do we sit with this?
1: Yeah, I think there are two options. The first option is to do some refurbs and, uh, and not so much investment, but uh, I think the, the, the highest priority is the steel stand, right? So, yeah. so, I, so we are planning to do some refurbishments and maybe not a large investment, but to try to make the stadium better. I think that that's one of the options and I keep talking with Russ to try to make it happen and sooner or later. The other option is that the long-term investment, a new stadium or at the same location, whatever, but it incurs maybe I think at least three or 400 uh, million investment, you know. So that's a big money to us now. And uh, normally, clubs do the business. Uh, they 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 loan money from the banks and with a lower interest rate. For example, like uh, Spurs are doing. And uh, I think the interest rate maybe two or three percent. And uh, it's uh, 20 years long. And, and uh, you have to pay the interest for uh, for every year. But you calculate that. You think maybe by the commercial revenue ticketing revenue and you can get the money back maybe in 15 years or whatever so in general a new stadium is commercial wise or or financial wise it's not a very sound project because you pay the money first upfront then you need a very stable smooth 15 years to get the money back Mm. but uh, actually at the beginning i thought it, it works in most cases but the pandemic Giving more ne- uh, negative thinking because yeah. sometimes one year like this will will break all the calculations or uh, prediction or whatever yeah. because one year without any revenue your cost uh, about the same will be very much higher then then it will push the, the financial crisis into a high degree so now I'm more cautious about it so the key the key criteria is the interest rate. Yeah. So, I think even even just a zero point zero one percentage gap will be important because it's twenty years. You know. So, so I'm trying to look for a very low interest rate. So I did uh, consult with the government in Hampton and also I know the bottom line some some debt, some loan from the government. But they have some guidance or discipline and uh, they cannot do something too low. Or the people will, will say bad things about the government. Or we can look for the market uh, maybe in the United States, some pension fund that they can do the something. So we are keep looking for that. But uh, when the interest rate will be low enough, depending on the market, it, not, it depends on us. So we will keep try to trying to Explore that, but at the moment is very important. You is that, is, yeah, that yeah, yeah. is that
0: something the supporters really have to understand? Do you feel that the, yeah. the, the, the stadium expansion is is really down to the to the global market and the banks in particular. Yeah. And, and no matter how much they say it yeah. needs doing, it needs doing, it needs doing. There comes a point where you just can't act until to, to the right climate.
1: Yeah, yeah. When the moment is right, I mean, financially, when the moment is right, and uh, then when we when we take some risk like the pandemic yeah. into this consideration. If we think it's right to do that, we'll, we'll do that. And it's not to make uh, profit for that. If it can break, uh, break even, it can work. But now by current calculation, it's harder to uh, break even. And also maybe some. if we meet some year like the year now, it will be a disaster to us. So we have to be careful. And uh, also, if you have any money uh, spare, I think the, the first priority is about the first team, the starting 11. And even, even the academy is ahead of the new stadium. Okay. Right, Scott? Yeah. So, are so you pleased I, yeah, with that, Scott? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you know, going back to the Steve Ball stand, Russ, there's a couple of fans who have, have mentioned a few safety issues. Getting into the Steve Ball stand now can be a nightmare, up to half an hour queues. Yeah. And, then the, and then the steepness, particularly the second tier. Uh, causing a few issues, there have been talks, can you get rails in, can you do this? What are they, or can you let us know any specific plans? Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. As, as, as Jess said, we've we spent a lot of time looking at every aspect of the stadium in terms of almost those quick wins. I mean, the reality is that even quick wins are not quick, quick. They're, you're talking about two to 14-year paybacks. Uh, knocking down stadiums, you're talking about 20, 25-year paybacks. So in terms of the Steeble stands specifically, um, we've looked at, a number of different renovation ideas. So rather than a complete knockdown, it's renovation to address a number of different things. But mainly it's about facility upgrades because look, the fans are correct. That the facilities are massively outdated when you go into the steeple stand. I think it's fair to say from a you know hospitality perspective, I mean you know, Vinnie can talk more about that, but from the turnstile perspective, you know, we're aware that those queues are outside. Mm-hmm. So those renovation plans we've looked at would involve um, Full kind of changes to concourse, certainly changes to the way that people, fans, are access, access turnstiles, massive upgrades, hospitality facilities. So timing's everything, as Jeff says, but it's, it's absolutely on our radar.
0: A lot of people said the lockdown would have been a good chance to do stuff, but I think that ignores the fact that you can't just come up with a new stadium improvement in the, in the space of time. With the stadium empty, it's, it's just not practical. Money. The word is about money, right? Yeah, so, yeah. finance. <laughs> it's about money. So it's, it's important uh, fans yeah. understand that,
4: though,
1: yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. It's about money. The Locker Die is a good time, maybe for the construction, but uh, it's yeah. not good for the money. So yeah,
0: yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. What about corner sections of the ground? I mean, are they something that fans would maybe think mm-hmm. could be done not on the cheap, but certainly? Um,
2: Again, it's it's not <laughs> that cheap. Yeah. If I'm honest, <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of thing you think you could you know knock up for. Fifty grand, but the reality is, it's it's not. It's another zero on that plus a bit more. Um, again, it's another thing that yeah. Jeff and I are talking about. So the good news is, we, look, we have planning for that corner, which again fans fans will know. Mm. So it's 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 in our thinking, and look, it'd be it'd be great to do it when we can. I think you've answered this before, but
0: a couple of questions from Leon James and Craig Lefebvre have talked about: Would a new location still be on the table, or is that out of the question? No, I think.
1: Uh, Russell has done a good job and uh, he proposed me a good plan. So before that plan, I thought that maybe a new location will be possible. But uh, after that plan, I have seen that plan, right? So it's a very good plan. So mm-hmm. so I, I don't think we should move no, to I the think, other location here. Yeah, I think most fans would agree, if not
0: entirely. Also, you've got that city centre location, which I think, you know, is, is sort of invaluable yeah, when you yeah. look at other clubs. And, and, and talking about that, mm-hmm. uh, Lee and Joe Walker have said, um, they want to know if there's any partnerships or developments that you have ideas for supported by the council or the university and, and the wider area of Wolverhampton that you can help with regeneration.
2: Yeah definitely I mean I, I sit on a couple of boards in the city so funny enough I was on a call with uh, Tim Johnson earlier on today the, the chief executive of the council and I also was on a call after that with Catherine for the external relations at the University of Wolverhampton so we're really really tight with both the council and the university that development of the the Molyneux Quarter clearly has a, an overarching interest for, for all parties. Um, the university, in particular, are incredibly ambitious in terms of their plans. They've recently opened the 100 million Springfield site, which will be the biggest construction campus in, in all of Europe. Um, and they're, they're, they're opening a screen school, which is a sort of a direct partnership with us in terms of some of our esports programs. So we're really tight with those guys, and I, I've no doubt that they would be supportive. Um, of everything that we're that we're trying to do and as, as jeff says that that interest rate that that is going to be important working with the council so, so they can support us if that becomes a funding option
0: Vinny, what can be done in terms of your side of the business with the current stadium because it's not necessarily geared towards realizing the commercial growth you you, you want to
3: it's not it's a, it's a it's quite an old school stadium and and everything we do in our teams is we always start with the product what is the product and you know on the hospitality side you know specifically in the in the steve bull area you know we're not proud of of, of what's over there at the moment and we desperately want to change that um and 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 put products and, and packages in place in hospitality that you know that we can be proud of and that fans can can enjoy the the reality is commercially it has to work you know and if there's 20 30 year paybacks on this work then we have to seriously question whether that's that's worth doing so you know it's 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 a about again it's a, it comes down to it's a balancing act you know there are quick wins that we can try and bring in and you know improve our products and, and you know improve the value that we're giving to supporters but some of the other projects are much longer
0: term Back um, before you arrived here Jeff, when the Premier League first came about, Wolves sort of left behind a bit with the ground and it was only when Sir Jack Haywood redeveloped it that they sort of caught up. Do do you fear that there's any sense that that could happen again in in a modern era?
1: Different owners have different views, sorry I have to say that. Of course I understand Sir Jack has done a a lot of good things to to, to the club, but uh, but, uh, I think you cannot compare two owners because they share different backgrounds. Right? So, and uh, for Forsen or for myself, we always we always put the team first here because we do think when we talk about a club, the stadium is important, but uh, in modern times, it's more more about, more important about the squad. When you talk about the top clubs, the first thing in your mind is not the stadium; the first thing is the players. In history to play all the players come and go and to the club so so the focus will be always about the first team and also the challenge in the primary it's so tough now you can see everything is so challenging so we have to think uh, about the first team squad academy and ahead of everything else but of course it's uh, nice to have if we have a new stadium but uh, we have to be patient to wait for the right timing. And timing is everything, I can tell you. Timing is everything, just uh, when the timing is right, I dare to do this. But uh, above that, I'm like uh, the captain of the ship, so I have to keep the ship stable, you know. It's very important. I don't want to make the ship uh, go to a shipwreck, whatever, just because <laughs> financially, commercially, sporting-wise, it should be stable, and uh, that's the, the most important. Thing. And uh, people. Uh, celebrating it's the fourth year in the Premier League. Uh, it's like uh, something amazing, but to me, it's not. Uh, I think we can stay here for forever. You know? So, so, so if you want to do that, you have to think about the players first, right? Rather than you think about new. Stadium. I think a lot of cases in the past years in the world, you built a new stadium, then you drop to the League of One, Championship forever. So, what? Why to, to do this? So that's my reasoning, and uh, maybe it's different from the previous owners, but everyone has their own ca- uh, character, you know, so so I just be myself, yeah.
3: And, and the guys earlier in, in, in that bit were talking about being creative, uh, we, we do the same. So we've just renegotiated a really exciting long term partnership with, with our catering partner Levy, and as part of that, we leverage in the, in the negotiations that there's a commitment on them to invest in our facilities. So. Leveraging partner relationships and making sure that the commercial partners that we have at the club are investing in, in our infrastructure as well is something that we're,
0: we're doing more and more of now. Thanks for listening to episode two of Ask Wolves. In the next edition, we're focusing on sustainability, the global growth of Wolves, the kit, sponsorship, the matchday experience and the women's teams.